0: But today we're going to be looking at reminders of what we just sang uh, in God's presence. We're going to be looking at reminders that this is the same God who who spoke the stars, I love the word, ablaze. The power, the the rawness in that, uh, that there is one singularly who controls those things. And not only does he bring into being that that power, that blaze, the, the heat and the light of those things. He also controls it with no problem at all. It's not more powerful than him. It is a testament to his power when we see those things. The same God that that does that, that speaks that power, just the might of that, is the same God who can say to those powers, the wind and the waves, hush, right? This, This is our king. And we need to know these things from time to time. When we're hurting, we need to know and to be reminded that such is our God. We need to know when things are in question. You ever had a question mark in your life? Well, that could be painful. What do I do now? Is this the right decision? Where do we go? You've been praying for somebody and pleading that that, that God will turn them and it seems that they don't turn. Maybe your grandkids' parents' marriage is falling apart and Your heart aches for those little ones. And for the wreck that you see happening there, boy, we need to know from time to time, the Lord reigns. We're going to look today at Psalm 3. And so if you will get out your Bibles and turn there to Psalm 3 and the book of Psalms uh, in in your Bible, right in the middle, more or less. You turn and open it up to the middle of your Bible, you'll probably be in the Psalms and you can... Navigate your way to Psalm 3. We started a new series last week called Summer in the Psalms. And we started with Psalm 1, an instructional, a teaching psalm. You remember that. And then Psalm 2 is a messianic psalm. It, it tells of the kingship of, of, of God's anointed David immediately, but also the kingship of Christ. How immovable that is. And we didn't speak on Psalm 2, but we're going to move into Psalm 3, which is a very personal psalm. This is one we'll relate to. I mean, if you have walked much of life at all, you're going to relate to Psalm 3, because there's trouble here. David has really been the cause of the trouble and the sins that he chose in his life. If you remember back from 2 Samuel chapter 15, you'll remember that David committed adultery, chose adultery. When all the rest of the uh, everyone was out to battle, the king stayed back. He shouldn't have been there. He should have been out, but he stayed back. Instead of rising early, he rose late. His lifestyle had been kind of uh, undisciplined, and he looked across and saw a lady and brought her to himself and committed adultery, the sin of adultery with her. He thought all was well, and he'd gotten away with it, but But then a period of time later, she began to sense the the stirring in her body that something had changed. And she came back to the king and she said, I'm expecting a child. King David put a plan into motion where uh, he would call back Uriah, her husband. Because he would have come back from battle and known there's no way that this child could have come from him. And so David conducted a plan that he would bring him home for leave And that it could all be covered over like a rug. And it didn't work out to the point that David had Uriah purposefully and deliberately killed on the front lines of that battle. He committed adultery and he multiplied it with murder. Later on, David came before the Lord and repented of that sin. And the Lord told him, because because of your repentant heart, your life will be spared. But there are going to be consequences for this sin. The natural outworking of this disaster is going to follow you. And sure enough it did. I mean in a a wrecked chaotic way his family was in disarray for the rest of this time. The rest of his life. And one of his sons Absalom grew to hate the king. Absalom the offspring of David and Bathsheba grew to hate him and waged war against him and rallied all the the men of, of Israel, all of God's people to come against David and many of them came with him and waged war on David and chased him from the capital city, Jerusalem, from the throne of God's anointed king and David is fleeing out into the wilderness. He has crossed the brook Kidron, which is the same brook that Jesus would later cross, on the way to the Mount of Olives. And David himself, this picture of future King Jesus, made his way to the Mount of Olives. The Bible says his head was covered there. He was there in that place, and uh, Absalom was approaching him with many thousands of men, many, uh, far outnumbering the king's men. And when the lamps of those torches were flickering in the distance, and it was all closing in, This is the setting for this psalm. David probably wrote this psalm years later, reflecting on this. And so it it does not emerge out of that moment. But looking back on God's faithfulness later, this is what David writes. You'll see here a a word that I want you to know what it means throughout this psalm. And you'll see it in other psalms too. We don't know exactly exactly why it's there, but the word is selah, S-E-L-A-H, The best that scholars can figure is this means to pause or to reflect. It's a musical term. This would have been a song played in in the worship there, and there would be a moment in the the music when all the the instrumentalists would have seen that word sila and would have fallen silent. I love we've, we've got a man serving as our drummer now. Matt Reed has been... Uh, drumming for us. I love in a song tray when all the instruments fall away and it's just the drums. You know you do that sometimes. It's one of y'all's tricks that you do. Uh, the music tricks um, gets me every time. I love like today but at the end Ralph was, grew quiet over here and the, 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 the music grew quiet and then all of a sudden we're thinking, we're reflecting, we're saying what's next What do we think about that that was just said? There's a moment here and only the voices come forth and remind us all praise belongs to Jesus in a sweet, more more potent way than we've really experienced so far that whispers to our hearts and causes something to rise up in us. Selah! The word is to pause and to reflect on what's been said already, what's been sung already and if it has a meaning that we could put into words here's what I think it is let that sink in hey here's what I've said here's our praise so far Selah let that sink in for a minute what do you think about that are you listening to this what does it mean so that word as we see it in the Psalms is not without meaning in fact it's very powerful As you look here today, you'll see at the beginning of this psalm, the king, the writer of this psalm, who I believe to be David. There are other theories about that, but I think we're well within um, uh, what's reasonable to, to see David as the author here. The king is in the first person, reflecting, but in the first person. Oh Lord, how many are, are my foes? Present tense, right? The first person, present tense, looking back he's reliving this. You ever relived something? I have a man named Jim Moats, a friend of mine in Chattanooga who was in the Tet offensive in the Vietnam War. He was on an Air Force base there and where that offensive was launched and he tell every time I, Jim tells me the same stories over and over. And I love it. Uh, in fact I wish I could see him. I wish I could sit with Jim for a day and hear again his stories. He tells me the same stories over and over And there will come a moment when you're talking to Jim, when you're listening to Jim, that he'll go from being a storyteller to reliving it. He'll say, Matthew, I was there on the base, and I'd gone to the barber shop that morning, and he'll start going and going, and all of a sudden a flash will come over his face. His eyes will glisten with emotion, and all of a sudden he's there. He's in Vietnam. And as he talks to you about walking He's he's doing it. I've talked to some of you about the day your mother's died or your dad's died and how it was in the hospital and you start talking about those old chairs there, those old hospital chairs, and you say, I was waiting out of the corridor in the chairs and a flash comes in your face and the mist appears and all of a sudden, here you are, 50, 60 years old, grown up and toughened up, and all of a sudden, You're a tender 30 year old, vulnerable, losing mom. He's reliving it. He's reliving it. And so we open up in verse one, and the king is there. He's in the moment. Here's what he says Oh, Lord, you ever said that? Just like that? Just crying out to God. There's not much you can say, oh, Lord, how many are my foes. Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. Now, these would not be people who believe God is unable. These would be people who believe that God has forsaken the king because of his sin. What they're saying here to him... Uh, they're saying of my soul, they're saying, David, you're not worth nothing to God anymore. You, don't you remember what you did? Don't you remember how you've darkened your heart? Don't you remember the, the, the lady that you abused? Don't you remember the, the man, the warrior you had killed? Absalom, it's your fault. You deserve this. God's not going to help you. Sure he could, but he will choose Not to. Verse 3. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me. My glory and the lifter of my head. You ever needed your head lifted? This God, this Lord, is the lifter of heads. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me. From his holy hill, that would be Jerusalem. That would be a reflection of the, the presence of the Ark of the Covenant there on the holy hill of Jerusalem. I cried aloud to the Lord and he answered me from his holy hill. Verse 5 I lay down and slept. I awoke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid because of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. For you strike all my enemies on the cheek, you break the teeth of the wicked, salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be upon your people. And then what? Selah. Let that sink in. I want to look at three pictures here of God's merciful care in time of need. And the first is this. I think we see here a picture of a cry of helpless need. There is a cry that goes out to God of, of helpless need The king cries out in two words, O Lord, and then he carries on this cry of deep desperation before God. The writer is describing a personally desperate situation. It's not just to say it's it's serious, it's serious to him. I made the mistake of saying to one of you the other day, (laughs) right before surgery, hey, this is a minor surgery. (laughs) And you said the only minor ones are when it's not you. I felt smacked on the wrist, you know what I mean? And they're right. It wasn't, it's not a minor surgery when it's your surgery, is it? And David it comes before God. It's very personal. This is not just a, a matter of casting an academic notion over things. It's a matter of personally pleading before God. Oh, Lord, I need help. This is me. And it's all on the line. We see three times here the word many is used. How many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation of him in God. And three times the many are described. Who they are. Their enemies. No bones about it. They're coming for me. Uh, Lord, uh, I can see them all around. The, the lamps are flickering. What they're doing, they're rising up. They're arming themselves. They're organizing into brigades and battalions. And uh, they're beginning to deploy according to a strategy, God. It, 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 it's, it's overwhelming. There's no way out, Lord. They're rising up against me to what they're doing, what they're saying. There's no hope for you and God. They're basically saying, your sin, what you've done, the Lord's going to have nothing to do with you. Here in Georgia y'all have these little ants. Nobody warned me about them when I came. Uh, we have ants in Tennessee of course but they're more sophisticated uh, and <laughs> I came here to Georgia and it was down on my hands and knees and <clears throat> I was driving a spike into the into the ground and propping my arm up myself up with this arm and hammering the spike and these little ants, sneaky, they're so small, their legs are so tiny, you don't even feel them on you, you know. They crawl around and uh, they get in position. I read an article about this later. Uh, I studied the ants for the next time. Uh, but uh, it says that they, get, they, they take their time. They come out, you've disturbed them, and they take their time. They get into place. They get in down in your socks and your ankles. They get anywhere they want to be just where they think it's the right moment. And they send out a signal in the form of a pheromone, uh, which I, I, I learned is like a, an odor, something that they detect that, 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 that triggers something, and all at once they bite you, right? So you don't have time to, to get one bite to you and you brush them off. They're all in place, and there's no what, nothing you can do about it. I did some research. I'll tell you about that later, about how to exact my revenge on these ants. Um, <laughs> you'll learn more about that. But here's the picture. David is, is in a condition where it, the, the game is the game, it's done. It's all zipped up. It's over. This is the moment in the basketball game when everybody's getting up to leave because the score is so out of whack that there's nothing that can be done. The game is effectively over. When David is in this condition. And then here's what he says. Selah. Think about that. Music. Quiet down. Listen to what I've just said. See, the dark description here is one of breathless need. And it is meant to lead us to consider the places of our own helpless need. And to ask this question, from what depth is God not able to rescue? The people in this ancient worship would have been considering David and the darkness that he was in. And they would have been forced to to ask the question, where can God not rescue me? At what point does the stain of my sin run so dark? And at what point is it set so deep that God's mercy is no longer able to restore and redeem. And in this worship service, in that moment of silence, they would have seen David's situation as as bad as it can get. And they would have said, oh Lord, if you can rescue him, then you can rescue me. And the worship after a moment of Selah would have erupted in that place. What if you're like David this morning? And your struggle, your darkness, your problem is big. What if you're like David this morning and your guilt and your shame and your sin is deep? At what point can God no longer save you? And the answer would have been if he did it for David in that situation. Then guess what? He can do it for them. He can do it for you on this July morning. see lot Think about it. But number two, second picture here of God's merciful care in times of need is this. We see a call for undeserved rescue. And a call for undeserved rescue. David says two more profound words. But you. I mean, the situation is dark, God. And then he remembers. He changes for a moment. The, the glimpse of, the, of his eye uh, refocuses from the situation And the circumstances, and he looks toward God. He shifts his focus and he says, but you and everything changes. From his own circumstances to who God is and who he has known God to be. He takes his eyes off himself and puts them on to God. And there are three things we ought to look at carefully here. If if we're serious about this text, uh, there are three times that the Lord is described here And it's the three times matter because it's as if God knew that that the situation had been described three times desperate. Three times hopeless. Three times helpless. And God says, well, let me show you something here. And the Lord, David remembers the Lord three times. Here's what he says. But you, O Yahweh. Number one are a shield about me. He's the shield. He doesn't provide the shield. He doesn't hold the shield. The Lord himself is the shield about me. But you, O Lord, a shield about me. You're my glory. What does that mean? The glory means David's glory is corrupted. What glory could David possibly have? How could he hold his head up? He couldn't. But God covers him. God is his glory. And number three, the lifter of my head. What does this mean here? What is, it, it, here's exactly what it means. It means he is pardoned. Remember in Genesis 40, we studied this recently. Joseph has a dream. The cupbearer and the baker uh, go to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh does what? He lifts the head of the cupbearer. Pardons him, restores him, puts the cup back in his hand. What happens to the baker? He lifts his head, you remember? From him, right? The, the lifting of a head is a sign of pardon. For offense. And so here we have a call for undeserved rescue when the Lord Himself serves as the shield, as the glory, and as the pardon. The ants I told you about, I looked online and wanted to know how do I not only take care of this problem, but send a signal to all ants for future generations um, that not to do this. And they said, well, bleach will get rid of the ants. And it will, it will, uh, the smell that they send out, the pheromones, it will neutralize that. They won't ever come back there again. They won't rebuild the nest. And so I went to my favorite place, Ingalls, and bought up all the bleach that I could get. I went back to my yard, and I bleached those things. Now there is a spot in my yard like the surface of the moon, Right? (laughs) It's gleaming white, it glows at night, nothing dares to grow, even grow there uh, anymore where these ants used to be. This is, uh, th- this is what is being met by God, uh, or what God is meeting uh, to the situation David is facing. David is it pretty bad, right? One, two, three, many, 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 one, two, three, who they are, what they're doing, what they're saying. God says, well, listen... I've got three in my pocket too. Here's who I am. I'm the lifter of your head. I'm your glory. And I'm your shield. We see the gospel here. We see the shield, God himself taking the arrows. It's not here that the arrows are not flying toward David. But now he has what? A shield. And it is the Lord himself who is the shield for David. You remember in the New Testament and the book of Colossians, here's what it says in that book chapter 2 about the Lord Jesus and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh God made alive together with him having forgiven us all our trespasses how by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands this he set aside doing what nailing it to the cross what did he nail to the cross your sin was put there. You remember in First Peter in the New Testament. The Bible tells us about the Lord Jesus. That he himself bore our sins. Where? In his body. On that tree. That we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. The Lord is not only a shield for this man David. The Lord himself is the shield for you. For your sin. The arrows still come. But God himself is our shield. He is our glory. The Lord is our glory. And he is our pardon. He is all three of these things still. Let me ask you a question. To whom or to what have you handed over authority to determine the course of your life? Have you looked around at the circumstances, the setting? Or have you looked inward at your sin and said, you know what? There's no hope for me. Or have you turned your eyes to the Lord and called for help? Listen. The Lord whose presence fights for you is the same Lord whose presence fought for David. The Lord whose glory covered David is the same Lord whose glory will cover you. You say, I've got no glory. We know that. Neither do I. None of us does. But the Lord clothes us in glory. The Lord whose mercy pardoned David is the same Lord whose mercy will pardon you. The Lord whose voice answered David is still listening, still hearing, still answering. Thirdly, the third picture of God's mercy is the comfort of peaceful rest. Verse 5 and verse 6. Here's what David says, reflecting back on this. He says, I lay down. He's moved over to past tense now. Remembering, I lay down and slept. I woke again. For the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Something truly remarkable happens here. David is able to sleep, right? Have you ever had a, a situation where you just, you're so worked up, you, you could, there's no way that you could sleep? This ought to have been one of those situations, don't you think? I mean, it's described bleakly. And if we look only at verses 1 and 2, no sleep would be able to be had. But in light of verses 3 and 4, all of a sudden, David finds himself able to lay down and to give this over to God. Remember Psalm 121? Why is David able to do this? He's able to do it because there is still a watchman on the wall. The Bible tells us there that he will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not, do you remember, slumber. The keeper of Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. Why can David rest and go to sleep? Because God's staying up, right? There's no need in both of them staying awake, right? David is able to say, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen. And in your situation, I can't give you all the answers. What's going to happen with that child? What's going to happen with that job? With my finances Matthew the house is on the line I mean we're faced with losing a lot here no I don't have the answers to that but here's what I do know there is one who is alert attentive and caring for you he never sleeps nor slumbers I was in a, a, a terrible you know this traffic crash in 2002 at work at the police department, there was a line of duty crash, and a young girl was killed in that crash 19 year old Vanessa Free, driving a little Saturn. She was actually the front seat passenger in that Saturn. I got out of my car, which was devastated itself, not as badly as the Saturn, but I had to force my way through the smoke and the jammed up door of that cruiser, uh, which had, <laughs> I could go on, but got out found that little Saturn down the road, saw it way down the street there, and ran to it as fast as I could. I was the only one there. By my own actions, this crash had resulted, and I got there, and the scene was awful. In every way that I could try to describe for you today, bloody and screaming, five girls in that little Saturn, five teenagers, from my alma mater, there they were in there screaming and crying for help. And I was doing everything I can. But let me just tell you this for a moment. In my mind and, and, and my makeup, it was falling apart. I was a mess. I mean, I, I hardly knew what I was doing there. And I did things that didn't make sense in, in the heat of that moment and the brokenness uh, of what had happened. And behind me, at some point, finally, I felt two hands on my shoulder. There was a man named Mickey Ortel, another officer from another team far away, actually, who had come over there. Mickey, who I was never friends with, really. Uh, we didn't work together, didn't know each other. We out, we're bonded for life, it feels like now. But he grabbed my shoulders, and he pulled me back just away from the window of that car there with those little girls in there. And I remember his words. He said... I've got this. That's exactly what I needed to hear at that moment. I didn't solve all the problems, but somebody was there who wasn't coming unglued for the drama of what was happening. And I was able to rest for just a moment in the knowledge this is being taken care of. And I want to ask you this morning, how much more profound How much more significant and powerful is it when your life is coming apart, when your sin has darkened your heart, when you feel like I'm worth nothing, God would not have me, when everyone would wag their finger at you and level an accusation. say There is no hope for you in God. Look at you. There's no hope for the situation you're praying for. There's no hope for the desperation you find yourself in hands come upon your shoulder, they pull you back and they say, listen, don't forget, I've got this. And it's not Mickey or Tell. It's who the Bible describes in the New Testament as the king of the ages. Immortal, invisible, the only wise God, the one with everlasting power and all wisdom to hold you there when you need to be hold and there he is behind you you can turn safely to God in times of need does this answer all the questions and do I have all the explanations for what you're facing this morning no I don't I don't know ultimately what you're gonna do what the outcomes gonna be but here's what I know I don't know exactly what's next But I do know there is a peace available to the child of God that is directly due to the limitless power and the unchanging wisdom of the everlasting God. And that peace and that person, his very presence, is alive and alert to the needs of his people. And friends, it is found nowhere other. This is the Lord. This is the final picture here of his mercy in time of need. I love this, and I know we're over time. I love the rest of verse 4. Where David says, I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. Guess who wasn't on the holy hill at that moment? David, his throne was there and his castle, if you want to call it that, his palace was there. He wasn't there. He was far from where he was supposed to be. And he called upon the Lord. I wonder if David was surprised to say, hey, God's still where he's supposed to be. I'm powerless. The seat of my power is in the capital city, Jerusalem. I'm over here on the Mount of Olives with my head hung low. And I'm calling out to God. He answered me. His throne is still occupied. He's still seated there where he belongs. Then something else remarkable happens. David cries for help, and guess what? God hears him. There is no hope for you and God, many are saying. But he decides to cry out to God, and God answers. I want you to know this morning, the Lord is still in his place. Your your life may have wandered far from where you hoped it would be. And circumstances may have deteriorated far from the, 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 the condition that you had planned for them to be in. And your heart may have sinned desperately further than you ever expected to go. But when you cry out to God, you may be far from home. He never is. And he answers from his holy hill. I hope you know this morning that this is true. That this offer and this opportunity are available to you today. Cry out to the Lord. Let him answer you. Go to God. Take your eyes off the circumstances and put him on the king. Listen. He's the glory. He's the shield. and He is the lifter of your head. Let me pray for us. just a moment I'm gonna offer you a time of response we would be very foolish to think that there are not folks in the room today who need to cry out to God for a situation for yourself for your sin for salvation we're gonna open the floor here in just a moment and invite you to come and bend the knee and pray to God you want privacy? You can have that. If you'd like me to pray with you, I'll stand right here with you. I won't embarrass you. I'll pray with you. We'll help each other. Maybe today you need to come for salvation for the first time. Or maybe today you need to the waters of baptism. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And maybe you want to walk in that liberty today. The floor is open for you. And of course, you can go to the Lord right there where you sit on this July morning sometimes the best way to move toward God is to move to make your way toward him physically to do something different the floor is open for those of you who would respond Lord thank you for the word of God and for trusting it to us we are weak and frail we are fallen Lord but you continue uh, to invest things that are beyond us in this place and I pray that your word would go forth this morning do what it needs to do your spirit would compel and change us we offer this openly in jesus name amen let's stand and sing and as we do i invite you to respond